Welcome! Reporting to you live from Zoom. You're listening to a podcast, Chais and Cheesement, brought to you by the world of Feriela. I'm Jennifer, aka Fed, reporting live from the Pink Palace. And I'm Daniela, aka Ella, reporting to you live from the Sirena Oasis. Now, first elephant, oh, there's two elephants in the room. First elephant yeah. in the room. Um, yes, we've been gone for a while. Um, I know y'all have been waiting for the hair reveal, which is the second elephant in the room. Listen, there is a double hair reveal today, but but also neither one of us um, are having a great hair day. Our hair has been like this for a little bit. So you know what? The, we do, but we didn't. Next week, we'll make sure our hair is popping. Yes, I got a split yeah. eye going on. We got the purple. We got the aqua teal green. Um, we are now almost a month in from me having this. Y'all Y'all didn't get to see it. Um, and I'll talk about why um, you guys didn't get to see this in a moment. And then, Abe, what's going on with your hair? Okay. So, mine hasn't been, it has not been a month for me. So, this is actually a fresh hair reveal. But as, like, you know, life circumstances, we had a, a twin hair reveal, a double hair reveal here. So, I ended up, I know you guys can't tell, it's also the lighting and it's not that, it's not a big one. It's not a split dye. But I have pink highlights in my hair. Yes. It is pink they're just dark pink um yeah this was a i did this earlier this week so we have also not styled the way i would like but um you know life circumstances but yeah i said next week next time y'all see us um it's we're gonna be all in our aesthetic we're gonna be we're gonna commit if yes if we have yes. energy for it because as you'll find out in the this podcast it's a lot happening so on you know we'll get into that we'll get into yeah. that but yeah uh just like very quickly, I want to give a, an immediate trigger warning. We're going to be talking mm -hmm. about loss here and grief. So if that's something that you're sensitive to right now and you just can't hear about it, this is not going to be the podcast for you. This one, There will not be a sock cam on this podcast. We're talking about a little bit more of a serious topic, but we do have the podcast from February, uh, the two Daniela Delights podcast right before my birthday. Oh, that's right. I'm 27 now, y'all. I'm 27. I turned 27, <laughs> uh, the whole hair and all that stuff and my birthday was great uh, but that's not what we're here to talk about so if you want something a little bit more upbeat light go check out our other podcast otherwise if you want to have a little bit more of a conversation about grief expectations of grief and what grief can look like and being patient with yourself that's what we're going to be talking about today because um um if it looks like i rolled out of bed it's because i did i have been putting this podcast off and we haven't posted on WAF in about two weeks now. Um, as For those of you who follow us on, on Instagram, you will know that um, the day that we were supposed to record the last podcast um, that was supposed to go out of Daniela's Delights was, um, sorry, notification went off on my phone. Um, <clears throat> ADHD. Uh, that morning I, okay, so, um, I don't even know how to start this. Um, I guess I'll just say that that day that we were supposed to record, unfortunately, my uncle who lives here in our house passed away suddenly. Um, and so I, we did do the following week because it felt like a good distraction, but that was just it. It was a distraction. The following week was my birthday. So that served as a really good distraction for me to stay preoccupied and not really deal um, and then once the distraction of my birthday was gone, I, I couldn't front anymore. And we took a break, uh, because this is too much work for just one person. And, um, 
and I needed, I needed kind of time to, um, heal, deal, and have I done that? I don't know. I've been doing some other healing, I suppose, but honestly, it still feels like, um, it still feels surreal. This is, this podcast is kind of the first time that I'm talking about it, um, in a pretty long time. Today, the day that we recorded this on the 26th of February marks three weeks since he's passed. At this point, three weeks ago, he had just passed and we all got the news um, from the hospital. So that's what we're gonna be talking about today. We're gonna be talking about, I wanna do this this podcast in dedication to my Tio Enrique, um, who's my dad's older brother. Um, he died at the young age of 63, very, very young, young soul, always very active. Um, yeah, uh, I want to dedicate this, this podcast to him. He was, he was a, a, he was like a second father to me and my brothers. Um, it was very, very special. He lived with me for 21 years. He was here 21 years of my life. Um, very hardworking, humble man the heart and so honestly he was the heart and soul of my um my father's family um the Marque family <clears throat> um so today we're going to dedicate this episode to him I'm going to talk about what happened and who he was a little bit and then we're going to talk about grief and what that looks like and uh, so it's going to be mostly me talking but when we get to the grief section uh bay is definitely going to be contributing and all of that stuff um originally i wanted to have this um this originally the way that i envisioned this podcast is i wanted to do a and maybe one day I will, but it's just not going to be today. I, I I wanted to do this whole podcast where I talked about him, his story, who he was, the immigration system here in the United States, and how it's flawed. And I thought that I was going to have, I thought that I was going to be in a place where I could plan that. Um, but when I tell you today was the biggest proof that I've been avoiding this. I woke up on time to get ready, and I wouldn't get out of bed because I knew the sooner I got out of bed, the sooner we were gonna do this. And I have been avoiding all tasks related to the funeral for the last two weeks um, after like my birthday passed and all of that stuff. I, I've been avoiding it um, because I knew that talking about it again meant that I was gonna have to face it, deal with it, accept it. It made it real again. And for these last few weeks, I've been dealing I'm depressed again, which makes me very angry and frustrated because as you guys know, I was having a hard time in the fall. And when we took a break in December, I really, really felt grounded. I really, really felt like a lot better. I, I've been depressed for so long. Like the first time that I really experienced depression and suicidal thoughts was when I was 15. And the way that I felt late December and all of January uh, was this peace and happiness and balance. Of course, still dealing with stuff, but 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 like just this uh, groundedness, um, this centeredness that I hadn't felt since I was 14 years old. 
And that's a really fucking long time. I'm 27 now. And it was a very liberating feeling. So when my uncle passed three weeks ago, I felt this determination to not let myself fall. But I also knew that inevitably the loss of someone so close to me was going to make me feel really bad. But I was like determined. I was like, nope, no, I'm going to be okay. And the fact of the matter is it still hasn't even hit me, but I am depressed. I am depressed because after my birthday passed, I, um, yeah, I had a really hard time, which we'll talk about. We'll talk about later. We, (laughs) we hopped on here and, and, and we didn't even jump full into, uh, the podcast. We, we literally sat here for like an hour and a half and just, (laughs) and just started like jumping back and forth, like being super ADHD and, um, just talking about anything, but starting this podcast. I had, Yeah, as you guys know, I've been like mukbanging during these uh, podcasts lately because your girl, like, I have to eat, right? And I'd never do before. Mm -hmm. And so I had a whole fucking plate of chilaquiles that I was gonna have here with you guys, but we talked for so long and talked about so many topics. I finished Mm it. I'm also already halfway through my chai. My goodness. Yeah, okay. I have been, I was careful to not sip on it because in my brain I was like, we're gonna start any minute now, any minute now, any minute. But I kept contributing to putting it off because as you'll hear, you know, the grief portion of this is a grief. Um grief is often something that it's still when you think about or it still comes out of nowhere. It's still it's a sneaky thing. And for me, although you know, when we talk about, you know, the grief portion, you know, I'll talk about my experience with it. My experience is not as recent as you know, Daniela's, but damn, when I talk about it, it's as if I'm there. Yeah. And I put it off too. I, I was definitely, I, we were out here doing the lightning round of topics <laughs> of everything. And then, I mean, lightning round, because we had a little bit of time, like, you know, but we were like out here just going off of different tangents and talking <laughs> about everything, but starting the podcast with the setup fully done. Um, and that's something that's like, you know, a human experience, you know, like. Human I think ex- we covered yeah. like eight topics. Mm-hmm. We, so- we had stories we I finished <laughs> my water I had a water bottle here and I was sipping on it because I was like oh you're gonna need it because I honestly I don't know how I'm gonna react I have this thing with me where sometimes I get so depressed that I get numb mm-hmm. and these last few weeks has been a roller coaster of emotions and mm-hmm. I've definitely felt the numbness that I don't know if you guys know that feeling you get, you get so, so sad to the point where you can't feel anything anymore. Like you feel like this empty vessel that is just kind of going with the flow, but you don't, but you're so sad that you can't even get to the point of feeling. So somebody will say something that I'm going to, y'all know, cause I cry in every podcast. I don't know if I will. I anticipate that I might it makes sense that I would considering how easily I cry at other topics y'all know but when I get to the point of numb sometimes we'll be talking about something that normally I would be in tears and I can't cry at all like I'm just like and so again I don't know how I'm gonna feel I don't know how this is gonna go but in preparation for that oh I'm also sorry guys you guys never saw our birthday or valentine's day (laughs) if it makes you guys feel any better there's a there's a happy birthday thing um, on the side. If you want to see what that looks like, go check out our Instagram on WAF. I did post mm-hmm. on my birthday a cute picture of like 
my fucking outfit. That shit was fucking <laughs> cute. Um, um, I did actually, despite all of this, I, I did have a good birthday. It was a low key birthday, but I had, I had a very good birthday. Um, and it was, it was a really positive, it was a distraction and it's what I needed. It's what I needed. Mm-hmm. My birthday was a great day. I, I really wish that he was there, but, um, he, he sent me some surprise gifts of life and I knew they were him. So that was, that was nice. Oh, why are you delaying the start of this? I feel like I was going to say something else. Oh, 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 oh. So in order to prepare, I, I got a few things for my emotionalness. First off, I'm wearing this, um, blanket. I don't know if you guys have seen those blankets that are like for like watching TV, um, mm-hmm. that, that they're like mermaid tails and you stick your body inside of them. And it's also a blanket. And so I have one of those. I can't remember who the fuck got this for me, but whoever the fuck did, um, I'm pretty sure I said, thank you, but like, oh my God, thank you. Because I, I am a mermaid. I am a mermaid. It's and on then theme. on theme and on theme with that mermaid theme, uh, <laughs> our best friend Adriana gave me this for I think it was for Christmas last year and it's this beautiful mermaid plushie that I like to hold when I cry when I cry you best believe my face is all up in here (laughs) I don't have any makeup on in case I cry except for gloss because like my lips were looking kind of crusty I did not do my hair I literally rolled out of bed threw on this Peruvian pullover and um, set up the lights, grabbed my food. And I was like, I'm not doing my makeup because I don't fucking want to. Um, I am thankfully having a good skin day. And then also, oh, well, okay. Um, I also decided to grab this. Um, mm-hmm. This is a, a, a Peruvian cholita. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, she's got the braids and she's got like the traditional clothes and the chanclas. She's well, so they wouldn't. Cute. They wouldn't be called chanclas in Peru. I forget what they're called in Peru. But anywho, yeah, she's sitting there. And so I decided to bring her. Um, she has my grandma's energy and my Tio Enrique and my grandma were very close. So I felt like I needed a little bit of my grandma. Um, and then I brought someone who has been with me since I was one year old. I have to apologize to this someone because when I was a dumbass and decided to go get married, I left him behind and when I got divorced I big apology I sang to him I told him never again if I get married again you come in with me boo and that would be Elmo that would be Elmo I've had this Elmo for 20 he just turned 26 so he's a year younger than me um this is my Elmo Elmo's been there through the hard times um um, Elmo's been there with me through everything. His eyes are faded, but don't make fun of him that he's, you know, he's got bad mm-hmm. eyesight. That's why I'm here for him. And he's here for me. So without he's got cataracts that- now. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Elmo's aging. <laughs> oh, oh my God, my side. Okay, guys, one quick tangent before I get started on this, because as you guys can see, I'm still avoiding it. Um earlier this week. <laughs> Um, I have, I have a Snapchat it's personal and private. So don't ask me to add, to add, to add me on Snapchat. It's, it's not public. Anywho, on my Snapchat, I decided to add, dance. like could show people how I show my friends, how I truly dance. And some of them know, and some of them don't know. Um, but like, mm-hmm. I'm a professional dancer, so I, I'm, I'm a really great dancer, but I'm also the worst dancer you've ever met. And, um, I, was busting out them dorky dance moves. And I even did that one where you put one hand on your head and you hold your knee and you like do that pump thing. Mm-hmm. Anywho, I didn't stretch before and I'm kind of old now. 
So um, I hurt my hip, but more than anything, I got Ida in my stomach, in my side. I didn't, I don't know how to explain that. In I don't know either. English air. It feels like a Google. pocket of air, like a big, yeah. like a big bubble of air. And it hurts. It hurts because it feels like it's pressing on everything. And although it feels a lot better, um, it still kind of hurts. So when I was laughing right now, that's why I was like, ow. Okay. <laughs> Without further ado. I'm going to fidget into my cross-legged position because this is how I feel comfortable. We're talking about comfort here. So that's what I'm doing. Just, you know, ignore me. <laughs> okay. I'm also under a blanket. Okay. All right. I'm all set. We got into our spaceship and now let's travel to the emotions. Okay. Um, I kind of want to talk about what happened um, mm -hmm. and kind of what was going on that day. I did ask my dad for permission to talk about this. I did not mm -hmm. want to talk about all of this if, if, if the family was not okay with it. My dad gave permission, so I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. <sighs> um, so uh, my uncle, right? Uh, it was very, it was really sudden. It was really sudden. Um, leading up to his death, uh, he wasn't feeling well. Um, but he's always been in really great health condition. He is a mechanic and um, he wasn't feeling well, but it wasn't, it wasn't a deadly alarming way. I don't know if that makes sense. He like was having a little bit of a stomach issue, but he thought that it was like a food poisoning thing, like something he ate just like didn't sit well, you know, as we all do. Um, and then um proceeded to his throat was hurting um and he was having trouble swallowing which we were just like okay um and so my dad was helping out by like getting him soups getting him food that that he could digest um he didn't really he wasn't really presenting covid symptoms per se so we didn't think it was covid but um you know he wanted to just check the boxes off and he went to go get tested um, the first week of February. And, um, so we were, he, he lives in the back of our home. Uh, there's like an extra room separated from the house, like a bathroom and everything. And he lived in there. And so we were quarantining from him until he got those results. Um, and I know that before he got tested, my mom and my brother had seen him. Like I had seen him a few times too before, you know, like just, I think just a week before or two weeks before he passed, we'd all had ceviche together in the kitchen, I remember. And we were like cracking jokes and he always thought I was pretty funny. Uh, my brother always says that I'm not funny at all, but he would always laugh at my dumbass things that I would do or say. Mm -hmm. um, it was like, we had an understanding of like, I know that you're funny. Um, mm -hmm. And so that, that day was, that day was great. As per usual, he put way too much rocoto on his, on his rocoto is a, un ají de Peru, a, a, um, a, a pepper is a pepper. It's very, it's very spicy. It's very, very spicy. He always puts mm -hmm. too much in his food and then he starts sweating bullets from his head. And it's hilarious because the man <laughs> is crying and sweating. He's like, ah, ah, está um, um, <laughs> but yeah, no. So um, he seemed fine that day. He seemed fine. Um, but I remember that my mom and my brother had said that they had seen him closer to like, just, you know, on his way back from work, going to his room one evening or afternoon. And, mm -hmm. um, 
they said he seemed very skinny, like he had lost a lot of weight. And I thought that that was an exaggeration. Like I didn't know how much of that because I hadn't seen him. And I was like, I feel like I would have noticed that. Mm-hmm. Um, anywho, they had that he had lost a lot of weight. So when he was getting tested, I remember my mom, my brother, me and my dad talking about it. And um, he was having trouble swallowing. He couldn't really eat anymore. Um, and this was all in one week. This is just one week. This the days leading up, not even the week, the days leading up, things started to get kind mm-hmm. of um, worrisome health-wise. Again, we still didn't think it was, we didn't think he was going to die. We just thought, okay, there's something going on with his health. And so we were like, we were all sitting there. I remember talking in the kitchen going, I don't think it's COVID. I really don't think it's COVID, but like something's going on. It's not nothing. I remember we all sat there and we were like, it's not COVID, but he's definitely got something going on. And at least now he's got his foot in the door with the doctor and and we can figure out what the hell's going on because he lost, my mom was like, he lost a lot of weight. Lost a lot of weight. That's not normal. And and he was having trouble pasando, you know, uh, eating food, solid mm-hmm. foods. Um, and we're like, that sucks. And I was like, I've been there. I was like a year ago in December, I had a sore throat so bad I couldn't eat anything. And I remember I was so hungry and like, I could only have like soups and things like that. And I think that that pain in my throat lasted for like a week roughly. So I didn't, mm-hmm. again, we didn't think too intensely about it, but the fact that he was like losing weight even before that was like, concerning right we're like something's going on he's having some kind of a health issue um february 5th rolls around actually i'll I'll start with february 4th it's a thursday and i remember feeling this itch to get out of the house so i went to go run errands um i think i was somewhat emotional that day and i was like let me just retail therapy I go to the mm-hmm. store, I run some errands, I buy, I bought these really cute sweats at Target, I like to call it Target, and this like really mm-hmm. cute white crop top that reminded me of this like early 2000 style crop top that I had when I was a kid. And I like, I think I even like, what did, what else did I get? Oh, I had bought a speaker. No, I ordered a speaker. Had I already ordered it? Had it already come in? Something. And anywho, I went and I walked and I walked there because I don't live too far from uh, the shopping plaza. Like it's, what mm-hmm. like uh, to get to the shopping plaza is 15 minutes and then the, the pl- shopping plaza walking is like a 15 minute span. So mm-hmm. I, I walk there whenever I want to go because I, I like to walk. It gives me time to decompress. And I remember on my way back looking at the trees and I love looking at the trees and their flowers and then just feeling this like intense sadness that I could not shake. And I was like, why are you sad? why are you sad? What's going on? I even, I think I had bought like, oh, I bought like the birthday decorations for my room because I wanted to like, you know, um, decorate for my room because my birthday was coming up in a week and I wanted to have my outfit and all of this stuff. And, and, you know, like I, I did what I had to do. I think, um, earlier that week I had even gone to the store and bought my outfit for my birthday. Um, or maybe it was after, I can't fully remember. It doesn't matter. Oh, it was after, but, um, I remember feeling this intense sadness. I was like, why are you sad? Like, what's going on? You're like, it was weird because I hadn't been sad in a while, right? But I just Mm -hmm. felt this intense sadness. And I was trying to figure out why. And I remember, you know, as I was walking, I was like, maybe you're sad about your birthday. Because I'm, as you guys saw from the last podcast, I love my birthday. I'm a really big birthday person. I like Mm -hmm. over celebrate. I celebrate all month. It's not birthday. It's birth week, birth month, party, party, Mm -hmm. party, party. Like I I had to celebrate with my friends, my cousins, my dance family, like everybody. I, I, I go all out. I overdo it maybe. A lot of Aquariuses we do, but it doesn't matter. It's like, it's okay, right? I think it's okay to want to celebrate. And so 
this is the first year that I wasn't going to really be able to do that. Um, and wanting to do that because there was a year when my grandma passed away four years ago that I didn't want to do that because she was, she was in the hospital and I, it felt bad to celebrate my birthday. Mm -hmm. I remember. Um, and then part of me just was like, you know, maybe that's it. Maybe you're sad because it's starting to hit you that you're not going to really be able to do your birthday the way that you normally would like to do it. And you're sad about it. And I was like, that's, but it's okay. I remember, I remember not, I remember coming to that conclusion, but it not making sense because the way I was feeling was too intense for that. Considering all of the healing I had been doing in the last year, considering how balanced I'd been feeling lately, considering all the things that I'd come to term with, terms with, it just didn't, como que no cuadraba, it didn't really fully mm -hmm. make sense. But I was like, okay, maybe this is just like residual feelings from how you would have felt a few years ago. So I remember getting home and even expressing it to my mom and I could not shake it all night. I remember being like, God, what is this feeling? Like, damn, dude, like, get over it. You're going to celebrate your birthday and it's going to be okay. Like, it's fine. Mm -hmm. So that was the night of the fourth. Um, and me and my mom always say when someone's going to go that's close to you, it's like your body knows before you know. And now in retrospect, I'm like, nah, my body knew. My body knew he was going and that's why I was sad. Because I remember when my, my mom's mom died, which we're coming up on 10 years this year, before mm -hmm. we got the news that she died, I woke up in the middle of the night with this like very intense sadness. And then the phone rang. And, you know, it's like my body knew. I don't know. I don't know how to explain that. If you've experienced that, you understand what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Um, so then that morning comes and I remember my mom as per usual, uh, wakes me up, but this time it was different. She, I think I was just on the phone with you before that, or maybe I had been messaging you. I know that I mm -hmm. always message you first thing in the morning. <laughs> I wake yeah. up, I roll over, <laughs> I message Bay. Um, mm -hmm. so I may have already messaged you cause I think that I was already kind of up. And yeah. um, we had been talking, I believe, because we, yeah. we were filming that day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, I think I was about to get up to get ready. And then my mom mm -hmm. goes, um, Bonnie, get up. Your, um, your dad found your uncle passed out on the floor in his room. And I was like, what? And she was like, yeah, he went to go take him his, cause my, my dad, again, since my dad, since my uncle was quarantining, my dad was taking him his food to his room, dropping it off and going. And, um, my mom said, yeah, she went to go take him his food. He no contestaba. He wasn't answering the door. So my dad got concerned and opened the door and found him passed out on the floor, get up. And so I'm, she says the ambulances are come, get up and grab your mask and ambulances on their way. And I'm just like, in shock because I'm like what like I felt like I was dreaming and I remember I think I, I either texted or called you immediately mm -hmm. and I was like hey can we postpone the podcast to another day this is happening I need to be here and you were just like immediately like no dude of course I think like, do what you yeah. gotta do I'm so sorry I'm keeping you guys in 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 our thoughts and prayers and whatever and um I texted a few other people that I'm like really close to um and so I get up and it all happened really fast. I just remember, I remember that I think I got on the phone with you or this was an audio. And I remember you telling me, don't go look at the body 
it's honestly, it's like a really traumatic thing. Like I wish that I had it in the times that I had, like, don't do it. Like it's going to be too hard. And there was this loud voice feeling inside of me that was like, I know this is going to be hard, but this is the last time that you're going to see him go look. And I didn't want to believe it. I wanted to believe that it was like my paranoia, but inside of me was like, this is the last time you see your uncle go look. And so I was like, I don't know if there's any truth in this. Maybe you're just scared, but fuck it. I'm going to go look because what if it is like, what if it is? And so I go outside, I have a mask on and the dogs come running to me immediately. My dad locks them up on the side that's by the pool table separated Um, They're like trying to make way for the ambulance and I can't do it. Like I start walking towards and, and, uh, oh no, I remember the reason why I can't. Um, I I, I think it was like a, like a, um, a respect for his body and like decency. Like it was the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. He wasn't, wasn't fully clothed. And so Mm -hmm. I was just like, oh, I don't, I don't know that I want to, I don't know that I feel comfortable with that. Right. Um, But Mm -hmm. I didn't know what the degree of that was. So I was like, okay, maybe not. Um, And then I remember that I think a few nights before it had been very, very windy and uh, something from our tool shed fell onto the ground, like flew off of the tool shed and fell on the ground and it was obstructing the way. So I went to go move that out of the way. I went to, I got into, I got into go mode. I got, I don't know where my brothers went. I know one of my brothers was not home and I know that the other one was in his room, but I got into, I'm the eldest, older sister mode. I'm a full adult. And Mm -hmm. I like started helping out. And I was just like, this is my dad's brother. He just saw his brother pass out on the ground. I need to be the strong one. Like my brain just went, you're the strong one. You need to be strong. And, um, and so I did, I fucking put my big boy pants on and I moved that thing. Like that shit is heavy, but I was just in such go mode that I put my hands against the retaining wall and I put my leg on the, it's those, you know, those like caravan vessel things that go on top of vans to put like, oh yeah, yeah. Paletas, like suitcases that mm-hmm. you put on top. It's for your, for traveling. It's one mm-hmm. of those and that shit's heavy. And so I, um, I kicked that shit out of the way. I like, was like, I, my mom wanted to help. I was like, I got it with one foot. Boom. That shit went flying. And I go to the dogs and I try to calm them down. I hear the ambulance arrive. Um, We still didn't know the results of his test just yet. Um, So that's why we all had like masks on and things like that. Um, And then also, you know, just precaution. And um, then they start wheeling him out. And um, I'm afraid to look, but I look anyway. They had him, his lower half covered. And... um, A trigger warning. Uh, I remember that when I looked at him, I will never forget it. His skin was graying. It seemed like a like a grayish tone to it. He had lost a lot of weight. Um, he looked dead. He looked dead. They said that he was breathing, but he looked dead. He looked like he was already dead. Um, And that shit was hard to see. And I just went to the dogs. One thing that made me really angry, but I'm going to say it anyway. Listen, I understand that first off, 
mad respect this year, last year to anyone working in the medical industry, like y'all are heroes. Um, I understand that, that y'all tend to see death and tragedy very often. I also understand that you have to have like a strong stomach and all that kind of stuff for that. And that, that, that it's not for everyone. And that you kind of, I'm aware because I've had friends who work in this industry that you kind of have to separate and that you can't get too invested because otherwise you're just going to be sad all of the time. But the amount of fucking disrespect from the paramedic, I wanted to jump across the pool and punch him in the face. So they were, they wheeled him past the pool. I think maybe they thought I couldn't hear, but I wasn't right there. I was right there. I was maybe 50 feet away max. I hear the paramedic and I turn to look and I, and I catch the proof, but the paramedic goes, um, oh, but do you think he wants to go for a swim? And then points at him at my uncle and kind of laughs it off to the other paramedic. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Are you like, listen, if you're going to make jokes, don't do it around the family. Like that's so disrespectful. My uncle, it is dude. Like, I understand that you have to separate, but like, that's extremely insensitive to the situation that's happening to something that's very real. You're making a joke about my uncle who's passed out unconscious. If he wants to go for a fucking swim. I was so angry. I'm bitches lucky that I was trying to stay in go mode because I wanted to leap across the pool and punch him in the face. And be like, what the fuck is your problem? That is beyond unprofessional and beyond insensitive. I understand separating as well, but I, I will go on here and say that that is not okay to say. There was no reason to say that out loud. There was no reason to say to, that is, there's a line between separating or needing to, you know, kind of distance yourself from the situation. And there's a line of just being straight up disrespectful. And that's straight up disrespectful. Yeah. Like, Yeah. Yeah. Well, that happened. He gets in the ambulance. He goes. And that's when the phone calls start. That's when the go mode start. That's when my big boy pants stayed on for all of maybe a week. Um, uh, It's kind of a blur, but I know that as it started, my dad is trying, my dad and my mom are in his room trying to find his Kaiser card information He's being transported to a, a, um, the closest Kaiser emergency room, mm-hmm. and um, and and I am the one to inform my relatives um, that something has happened. So I start the phone calls. Um, I call two of my cousins, and I let them know, "Hey, are you? I just I got some pretty intense news. We don't know what's going on." But um, we don't we don't know what's going on yet. But but um, which we call it. Um, he pa- we found him passed out. They took him to an ambulance. We don't have any answers yet. I just want you to be aware, right? So I'm calling, right? And in that time, I believe my dad was able to find his phone and found the voicemail where. While this was all happening, his COVID results came back. They came back negative. It wasn't COVID. It wasn't COVID. 
Um, and so, you know, that's the little piece of information we have is that we're like, well, he doesn't have COVID. What the fuck is going on? So at this point, we're still thinking, okay, nos salvamos, nos COVID. This is still concerning, but we're just thinking he's going to get to the hospital. They're going to take care of him. And, um, we're, you know, we're going to find out what happens next. We're all in this mindset of this household is about to shift and, and he's going to need our help. And, you know, something's going on with him. And, and we're all in this mindset. You could tell, like, no one's necessarily saying it per se, but we're all in this mindset, like, all right, here we go again. There's going to be a shift of somebody's health is not doing well. And we're all going to have to adjust. And there's this willingness, right? And... Mm -hmm. I think before I get to the last phone call, I had asked my parents, like, where are my brothers? Like, do they know? Mm -hmm. And my mom was like, I don't know where John Luca is. He's not home. And I was like, what about Marco? Did somebody tell Marco? And they were so rushed with everything. They had only told me. Um, mm -hmm. And so I was like, don't worry about it. I'll go. And I go upstairs and I tell my brother what I know so far. I'm like, get up. Like, this is not. And I didn't want to alarm John Luca because John Luca has asthma. And uh -huh. um, we always have the fear that with the bad news, he'll have like an asthma attack. So we, we don't tend to like text him bad news. We tend to like tell him, tell him more. We would prefer to tell him in person. So that way, in case anything happens, which it's been a very long time, but, but that's always a concern. So, um, mm -hmm. so I just text him and I'm like, Hey, there's a family emergency in the house. Please come home. Not COVID related, but you need to come home right now. Right. Because I called him. He didn't answer. Mm -hmm. So he's rushing home. He gets home. He gets up to date. And we're all just like, what the hell? Um, I make the last phone call at the time to my dad's younger brother, who also lives here. His wife answers. They're driving. My mom had just gone upstairs. My brother is pacing in the kitchen. And I'm like, I just got some heavy news to tell you guys. We don't have much other information. I'm updating them. As they're asking me, well, when will you know? I see my mom rush down the staircase crying and frantic because we're waiting on a call from the hospital. I had just gotten off the phone with the hospital, I should mention. My mom called, mm -hmm. I called, what update, what update, what update? Do we know if it's, can we confirm? Like, because we were like, we got nervous about that voicemail. We we're like, what if that voicemail's old? You know, because it's mm -hmm. not the first time that someone in the house has been tested um, mm -hmm. because of ex work exposure or something, mm -hmm. um, which all the times had been negative, but anywho. Um, so we, we were confirming and I had just gotten off the phone with them right before I called my uncle and they were like, we will call you when we know something. I call my uncle, my mom's rushing down the stairs in tears. And I'm like, hold on. And I see my mom and she's crying. And I don't, I feel like I already know, but I don't want to jump to conclusions. And she's on mm -hmm. the staircase. And for those of you listening, she's making that motion across her neck. Like when you off someone or when you're like, cut it out. She's doing that. And I'm not sure if she's telling me to get off the phone or if she's saying he's died, but she's just doing this motion really frantically and crying. She can't speak. My mom kind of does that when she gets into this, you know, as many people do when they get into this mode. And mm -hmm. um, I'm like, what are you saying? And she just keeps doing this. I'm like, is he dead? 
And she goes, and she like nods and she goes, Senos fue, which means he's gone. And I'm in the middle of the phone call with his younger brother. So I'm the person to tell them. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm so sorry. My mom just came down on the phone. The hospital called. He, I'm really, really sorry. He died. He's gone. Like, I'm so sorry. I don't have any other information. And they're like, what? And I'm like, I just, I literally just found out right now. I don't know what's going on. I need to get off the phone. I need to go find out what's going on. I'm so sorry. I get off the phone. I see my brother in the kitchen essentially collapse and start crying because again, like Chaka was a really big part of like me and Gianluca's lives. Like, and Mm -hmm. he's been like there the entire life of Marco. But like when we were little, my dad's family started coming little by little emigrating to the United States. My dad helped them all come, you know, have a home where to be. And when he came, Mm -hmm. I was like six years old, you know? So we're 21 years of of him Mm -hmm. being here. Um, and, And all of a sudden, all of a sudden he's dead. Like he was just alive. We didn't see it coming. He wasn't like sick for a long time or anything. We didn't even know he was sick. We just thought something was up. He wasn't feeling well, but it didn't seem like anything like really far fetched. Mm-hmm. And so I see my brother collapse and I like hug him and he like cries into my arms and I like tear up as well and cry. And then we go upstairs and I'm like, you have to be strong. Like as I'm going upstairs, I'm like, I know my dad is finding out this information right now. Um, Cause my dad was in the shower when, when this uh, call came in because he was going to go to the hospital. Um, even if he couldn't be inside, he just wanted to be nearby. So he was going to go to the hospital. Uh-huh. Um, so he got in the shower and that's when the call came in. We go upstairs. My little brother found out. Um, my dad found out and my dad sits on his uh, the bench in front of his bed and just starts mm-hmm. crying and we all hug him and we're all crying and everybody it's just this moment of like disbelief and absolute heartbreak like absolute heartbreak and he was just here this morning He's lived with us. And out of nowhere, he's gone. And he's never coming back. And we didn't expect it. Like, we we expected anything but that. For real. Like, when I tell you that that was, like, not even a possibility in my head, my head was not, not like he's going to die today or he could die. I did not fear that at all. Like, I knew he was passed out, but I just thought, lo van a resucitar, like, he'll come back to, you know, they'll get him on a machine or something, they'll figure out what's going on, why he passed out. Um, and I remember this whole time, I was sending play-by-plays to someone who's very special to me, near and dear to me. Um, so when they got off work, they got the whole play-by-play of like every emotion that I was feeling. And yeah, then it turned into, we cried for a while and it turned into a series of phone calls. <sighs> I think the first phone call being that I needed to call back my cousins and tell them 
the update. So that was hard. I called, I remember I called my cousin Alex first. He didn't answer. So I called my cousin Ricky. Uh, and these are the cousins that live here because half of my dad's family is in, more than half of the, my dad's family is in Peru. And then part of them are mm-hmm. here now. Uh, my dad was the first like super established person to stay here and build his family here. Um, nobody else has mm-hmm. built their family here, but some of them have brought their families here. My cousins are here. A few of my, my cousins. I'm on the I'm on the younger end of the cousins. There's not a lot of us, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> this is me stalling emotions. Um, <laughs> so um, I call Ricky and I'm like, I have some bad news. I'm so sorry. Like, I don't know how to tell you this. I just found out. And so I tell him and then I'm like, I need a call. I'm like, oh, Alex is calling me back. I'm like, I, I don't know how to tell you this. Like, these are cousins. I'm very close to my cousins on my dad's, especially these two. And um, I tell him and he starts crying. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It was really hard to do to have to tell people. Mm-hmm. I've never been I've never been the one to deliver news of death. Mm-hmm. I felt like the strongest person in the world that day. I did. I really did. I didn't cry that much. I did cry, but but uh, in private, not with anybody. I, mm-hmm. in the face of my parents, I felt like I had my shit together. And for the next few mm-hmm. days, I felt focused and I felt like I had to be this person who was strong because my dad was going to fall apart. And my mom's normally a very anxious person. My brothers, their world is rocked again, very, very rocked. And I'm rocked too but I'm the oldest daughter. I'm the oldest daughter. I'm 27 years old. I'm a full ass woman. And I remember going upstairs and telling my dad, how can I help? I want to help. You need help. Let me help. And he, he like kind of shakes his head and I'm like, dad, I'm 27 years old. I'm a grown woman. It's time that I pull my weight. Right. I'm like, so how can I help? And I did, I did do a lot of help. And, and then the hardest part, which um, my deepest, deepest condolences to his son and his wife. Um, mm-hmm. He was like a father to me as well. So I can mm-hmm. feel some pain, but I will never understand the pain that they are feeling right now. And mm-hmm. um, we, I sat next to my dad as he hops on a, uh a call, a video call with his son. His son already knew what was going on. You know, my dad obviously told him first. So they were Mm -hmm. aware and that we were going to keep them updated. He hops on a call and his son is a year younger than me. Mm -hmm. So when he left um, Peru to immigrate here, Mm -hmm. his son was like four or five and he's never been able to go back. Um, he, he was never able to go back. He didn't see his Mm -hmm. son grow up. He was the breadwinner. He supported his family in Peru. He worked his ass off here. He was very, very hardworking. Mm -hmm. Um, so we hop on a call and I see my cousin Axel and, um, my dad goes, tienes que ser fuerte. You have to be strong. I got some, I got some bad news, essentially. So my cousin hears this and he goes, Espera un momento, tío. Give, me a, give me a minute. And he tells his mom, who I guess is somewhere in the room, go to the other room. And she's like, what, why? No, I want to be here. And he's like, no, mom, I know how you get. Go in the other room. I will tell you. I will tell you what's happening. 
So he makes her leave the room, you know? And I could tell, I can tell that when he says this, he has no idea what we're going to say, which doesn't shock me because we had no idea that was going to happen. We did mm-hmm. it was like the farthest thing from our minds. And I could tell that he is in that same mindset. I'm like, oh God, this is going to hit really hard. And so he sits and he goes, okay, Theo, what's going on? And my dad tells him and he loses it. He loses it as anybody would, as anybody would. And he drops the phone and he starts panting and like crying and screaming, which completely like justified and everything. He just lost his father who he hasn't mm-hmm. seen since he was like, and that's the shit that breaks my heart. He just lost mm-hmm. his father who he hasn't been able to physically see since he was five years old because the fucking American immigration system is fucked, is totally fucked. And he didn't have that opportunity. And um, and his son didn't have the opportunity to come and see him either. And his mom comes into, my tia comes into the room and is like, what's going on? And my dad tells her. And, you know, she's obviously emotional. She's got it a little bit more together though. Um, and, then, and then everything starts. And then it's a whirlwind of what needs to get done. Conversations with the, we, my family was in such disbelief such disbelief that I actually called the hospital to confirm that, that he was dead and that they didn't make a mistake and call the wrong family and that we didn't just tell a bunch of people a lie. Like that's how in disbelief Aww. we were. And they were, because I knew that that wasn't a mistake. I'm like, that's too heavy a mistake to make. That's, it's not a mistake, but they were hoping. They were hoping yeah. that and that they'd be like, so sorry, we called the wrong number. But I knew, I knew that, that, that Denial. yep, yeah. And so I call they transfer me over to the emergency room doctor who pronounced him dead. She told me, and I was like, all right, where do we go from here? So I started taking notes, started making calls. Um, Mm -hmm. And and then we just started splitting tasks. My, my cousin calls, um, it's me and my dad doing a lot of things and my mom just making sure that we eat. So I should tell you that, yeah, it got pretty late. We hadn't eaten yet. We weren't hungry. We were not hungry. So my mom was just like, eat, drink water um my brothers were just kind of dealing I suppose um Mm -hmm. I can't I can't remember where they were at this time but I just uh I stayed by my dad's side and and we started looking into funeral arrangements being that it's COVID obviously nobody could go to the hospital um obviously that meant funeral arrangements we had to figure out what that was going to look like is he going to be buried here is he going to be buried in Peru? What, what kind of travel visas do we need to get? Um, the complication of in Peru um, viewings or uh, velorios weren't mm-hmm. permitted because the, the pandemic is really bad at the capital. Mm-hmm. And that's where they live in Lima. It's really, really bad. It's really, mm-hmm. really bad. Like I've had, we've had deaths in the family due to COVID from over there. And um so, so then, okay, are we going to have the velorio here and the burial there? Are they both going to be here? And for a while it was looking like, like the, the velorio is going to be here and the burial is going to be there. And then my cousin decided that it was just too complicated and to make it all here. That's the fucked thing about the immigration system. Like if someone dies here and you have family 
in somewhere in Latin America. You can't just come here for the funeral. There is this long ass process and approval and you might still not be able to come. Um, and so there's all of this stuff that you have to get done, emergency humanitarian visas. And so it's like, where are we gonna get them from? How many letters, the letters, humanitarian uh, letters for the visa. Mm-hmm. Making appointments with the with the, the embassy in Peru to like come over. Like, it's just, it's this mess. It's so mm-hmm. complicated. And funerals are so hard already because you're in like the hardest part of like just like a really deeply painful time Mm -hmm. and you have to plan a funeral and it is extremely expensive to die. It's so expensive to die. Like it's expensive to live, but it's also expensive to die. You can't just die. You got to have some Mm -hmm. money or something because it's expensive. It's very expensive to die. Like to be put in the ground. It's like, God damn, dude, why is it so expensive? Anyway, it's very expensive to die. And so um, there's all these things that need to get done. And so I was helping my dad as much as I could. I immediately emailed my professors, mm-hmm. it's a whole nother mess, um, about it. And, you know, like I said, I've experienced grief of a close person before four years ago. My grandmother, who also lived with us even longer than that, she's been with me since I was like four or five. And she she had come like, I think a year or two before my uncle um, and she lived with us. She took care of us. I am currently in the room that she passed away in. Um, mm-hmm. So now we've had two deaths here in this home. Um, and I, I remember that I was a mess. I remember how hard it was. And I remember when my uncle passed away later that year, a different uncle on my mom's side, who is also very, very close to somebody who I really looked up to. Um, they passed away as well. And, and, and I remember how distraught I was, how depressed I got, how much I isolated, how I tried to jump into life. But, and I remember putting that strong front on. I remember, I remember, and I remember in that moment thinking, don't try to pretend like you can just jump into everything. So I emailed mm-hmm. my teachers. I was like, I'm going to need a week's ex- extension. This is what's going on. I, I can't even this upcoming week. I don't, I don't want to be able to have to do anything. My teacher was like, yep, cool. That's fine. Um, Thank, thank you for letting us know. Um, and yeah, we just proceeded that day was just a lot of phone calls and paperwork and notes and my mom feeding us that day's kind of a blur. Um, one of the gifts that Chato gave me was that earlier that week before he passed, I had asked my dad that if for my birthday, we could go visit my big brother the way that we did for his birthday, where we just socially distanced at a uh, park with masks on and had food. And my dad said, no. And I remember when he said that I cried, not in front of him. I went to my room mm-hmm. and I cried because I really wanted to see my big brother, Frank, for my birthday. So one mm-hmm. of the gifts that Chato gave me is I got to see Frank because the next day my dad, he was like, I just want to drive and drive and drive and drive. And I told him, well, why don't we? Why don't we? And my mom was like, that's what we're going to do. And then my dad wanted to see Frank. So we went to go drop off. My mom earlier that week had made some tamales to, for her family to go drop off at one person's house and for people mm-hmm. to pick up or whatever. But, um, but we didn't end up going the day she was supposed to because of my uncle's COVID test, just in mm-hmm. case there was an actual exposure. We didn't want to expose anybody. We were all like in the house too. Um, 
And so we went to go finally drop them off. And then Mm -hmm. that was in Daly City. And then we drove up to my brother in Santa Rosa. And Mm -hmm. I had already called him. I was the one, I was also the one to give him the news. Mm -hmm. Um, My older brother is, has ADHD like myself, um, but he's also autistic. Mm -hmm. So although he's the eldest, I've always been treated like the eldest. And Mm -hmm. I'm given the eldest child's position uh, Mm -hmm. formally. Um, Anywho. But he's still my big brother. And and as someone who is not neurotypical, he definitely deals with, with death differently. Um, that is the best ASMR ever. I'm so sorry. My ADHD oh, yeah. brain got activated. The sound of the ice as well as the train sounds so soothing. <laughs> Anywho, um, that's coming from Bayside. <laughs> I didn't hear the train until you pointed it out. Yeah, Which, I can hear the train. It's funny like, enough. That, that will come up later. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah. train stuff. Yeah. Okay. Anywho. Um, yeah, so I was the one to call and normally this is, this is, this is when Daniela falls asleep whenever she sits starts because Mm -hmm. now we're jumping into kind of the grief portion of things. Um, I love the drive through the city. My dad took my favorite route, which is the one that takes you through like the backside of San Francisco. Mm -hmm. I love that drive. I could not stay awake. I knocked out immediately. Uh, We went to Santa Rosa. We got pizza. We got ice cream. We went to the mall. It was really nice. I got to see my big brother. Mm -hmm. I missed him. And I was really glad to be able to see him before my birthday. Um, Yeah, it was, it was a, it was what we needed. And then we went home and guess what girl fell asleep in the car again too. And then after that, the next few days, I just could not sit down without falling asleep because I just kept falling asleep everywhere. I just mm-hmm. was like falling asleep, falling asleep, falling asleep. Um, I still couldn't believe it, but I was pretty engulfed in all of it. I I organized a GoFundMe, which I will link below. Um, if mm-hmm. you are able to, again, he was the breadwinner of his family. He provided for his family. Um, we are all doing the best that we can to assist with that. But, you know, like I said, funerals are expensive. So I... I was the one that suggested that we do a GoFundMe to help with the funeral expenses um, through donations because people had been asking me um, about that. And so I created a GoFundMe. I will link that down below. There is no donation too small and also just sharing it is also very much appreciated. Um, But yeah, we got a GoFundMe going, um, which honestly I stopped promoting up until yesterday because I avoided everything related to my uncle up until like yesterday, because it was just, uh, I knew that it was eventually going to hit me. And yeah, that first week helping my dad out, I was very go, go, go mode. I was very involved. I was making phone calls constantly between Kaiser and like the social workers and his job and just like looking things up and just trying to be there for myself. And it was also the week of my birthday. So wanting to, um, wanting to having this feeling of at first being like my birthday's canceled. I don't want to celebrate my birthday, but then Mm -hmm. also, still having this desire to want to celebrate, but feeling very guilty for wanting to. 
uh, thankfully it took people like Bay and some of my cousins being like, Danielle, you love your birthday. And you know that he would want you to celebrate. You should still do something. It's not, it's, you're not a bad person. I felt like I was a bad person. I felt like if I celebrated my birthday, people would be like, she doesn't give a fuck about her uncle, which is like not true. Right. But like, Mm -hmm. I was worried that people would think, God, she's so self-absorbed that she can't even, you know, and also nobody in my house really wanted to celebrate because everyone was down. So I like, I didn't expect them to want to or anything, but I wanted to do something for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did. It was nice. Um, I will talk about birthday stuff, another podcast, um, but I did. And sadly, when... Um, my birthday and Valentine's day passed. I no longer had any distractions mm-hmm. and my truth came forward. And my truth is I couldn't be strong. I wanted so badly to be the pillar of the family. I wanted mm-hmm. so badly to be the rock that held everybody up. And once my birthday was gone and Valentine's day had passed, I realized that I'm just not that person Mm -hmm. or I'm not that person yet. I don't know if I'd ever be that person. I realized that my mental stability was just not in a place where I could really actually do that. And I felt Mm -hmm. really guilty about that. I felt like this is my first time actually talking about this, but I felt like I'm too broken to be that person. Like I can't, I don't have the capacity to be a strong person. I'm just Mm -hmm. too sad. And uh, that following week, I spent most of it in bed. I didn't shower for days or put deodorant on or anything. And it wasn't a conscious decision. It was more of just like, I couldn't remember to, didn't have the energy to. I ate a lot, which was fine. You know, I eat my feelings sometimes. You do what you got to do to get through things sometimes. Um, Working on that in therapy. So don't come for me. Not like anybody would. Oh my God, sorry. Um, But yeah, it was was really hard. It was really hard. And towards the end of that week, I realized that I I came to terms and accepted, Daniela, you're depressed. You're depressed. This is depression. You know what this is. You're, You're depressed. You can't wake up. You don't have any motivation for anything. You keep forgetting to put on deodorant. You're you're not Mm -hmm. like, you don't have, you don't want to do anything. Like you're avoiding literally everything. You're not, you're starting to isolate. I was starting to isolate. And earlier that week, it had been Candy's birthday. And I took Mm -hmm. her on this really long walk, our favorite walk. And, and before that, when my uncle had passed, Anytime I went on a walk, that was my time to break down because this was my first time dealing with grief because I've dealt with grief before, right? But this was my first time dealing with grief where I lived Mm -hmm. in the house that they passed in and that they actively lived in. This was my first time because like when my grandma died, I'm here now. I didn't live here. I was married. I lived somewhere else. So I could be strong here and then I could go home and break the fuck down with my ex-husband and just mm-hmm. cry and be unproductive and depressed there. But here I couldn't do that because 
People could hear me if I cried. I didn't, I don't feel like I can break down here. And so every time I went on walks prior to Candy's birthday, I would go on these walks alone and I did them at night because mm-hmm. I didn't want anybody to see me because I was crying on these walks. Go on these walks mm-hmm. and I would just start crying and I'd cry and I'd cry and I'd cry. And I eventually stopped wearing makeup because one night I got home and I looked like a fucking raccoon. <laughs> I had mascara <laughs> all over my face. I was like, damn, bitch, you really cried. And so <laughs> for her birthday, we went on a really, really long walk during the day. And I realized that having her around me, Candy is my emotional support animal. That's why I got her. But I hadn't mm-hmm. updated my prescription in a few years because I got to a point where I felt like I could go places without her. That day, mm-hmm. walking around with her, I this was the 16th. I remember being like, hey, you need to update your prescription because having her around is very calming. I felt those feelings of wanting to cry, but she was just such a happy soul and she can really detect it that I, um, that I was able to not push past, but just like feel more at ease, just a little bit more in control, mm-hmm. a little bit more at ease. Cause I was starting to get to the point where I felt like I wasn't in control of my emotions anymore. Like I felt like Mm -hmm. I was just like an emotional wreck, which I kind of was for a little bit, which is okay. Um, And I I felt like I wasn't being honest with myself. And I realized it was in that moment that I realized, all right, you're depressed. You need to make some updates, some changes. So I reached out to my therapist and I sent them an email saying, hey, I I think I I need to update my my prescription for candy as my emotional support animal. Can you help me with Mm -hmm. that? Um, I read somewhere that it only lasts a year. Da, da, da. They they had made the initial prescription for me the first time. Um, and then I did what my therapist had suggested, which actually I mentioned, and they said, that sounds like a good Daniela. That, sorry, that sounds like a good idea, Daniela, which was to have a more active support circle. Because yeah. normally I'm the type of person where, because I've always been a person in relationships, right? I'm the type of person that when I'm in a relationship, I, when I'm going through something, when I'm depressed, when there's grief, I lean all the way on my significant other completely. Mm-hmm. And I isolate from everyone else, everyone else. But my significant other has a life, right? So like uh-huh. you, you shouldn't, and it also wasn't good for me because it made me very codependent. And it also made me isolate from everyone and, and it didn't really actually make it, it, it was soothing, but it, it, it had its good and it's bad. Right. And so mm-hmm. this time around, I know that kind of stuff and I'm like, I need to create a support circle. And so I immediately like, not immediately, but at this point, I finally actually put it into action. I started a group chat with um, my closest cousins and closest friends and they, some of them already knew kind of what was coming. And so I told them I need a support circle. This is just for me to, cause I realized I like to be heard. I like to mm-hmm. be, um, I don't necessarily need advice. It's more like I just need somewhere where I can pour out my feelings mm-hmm. and have someone pay attention to me. And I can't mm-hmm. expect that out of one person or two people or like a one-way avenue because people have lives and work and um, if I have a group chat, so the idea of the group chat is just for me to have a place where I could send a message into and whoever's available will reply. Not everybody has to reply. It's not like that. Just someone mm-hmm. will reply and whether it's validation or this or that, whatever it is, just someone to listen to me. I started that 
all of y'all, because you best believe Bay is in the support chat, all of y'all have mm -hmm. been, you guys have been so understanding and wonderful. I was so afraid to do this because I was afraid. I know that none of y'all feel this way about me, but that thought in my head is like, you're about to burden people. They're going to be annoyed with you. Why does Daniela want special treatment? Why is Daniela so broken? Like, oh God, like, I just don't like feeling broken. And sometimes I feel that way because there's this frustration of, I just want to be happy. And I feel mm -hmm. like something's always happening. And I feel like, I feel like I have a harder time than most people. I feel like I, well, I don't you know. I feel like, okay. I feel like, I feel like I have a harder time. I was going to say, no, I know. And then I'm like, oh, but you don't know. But I feel like I have a harder, I have a harder time than most people bouncing back from things. I feel like I'm, I'm very intense. I feel my emotions very, very intensely. My therapist says that has to do with my ADHD. Anywho. Um, and also I have PTSD. So there's that. Um, but I feel my emotions more intensely than people. Like when I'm really happy, I'm like really, really happy when I'm in love. Like, Oh, I love, I love, I love, I love so hard. I pour my soul. I'm very intense with all of my emotions. When I, when you do piss me off, Oh, bitch, I'm mad. But I don't get mad easily though. That's one great thing. But when I'm sad, I'm very, very, very sad. Woe is me. The world is falling apart. That's how I feel. Um, and I've been called dramatic. And so, I've been really nervous to make that support group. And it's not like I message into it every day, just whenever something's going on. I think this week has been the most active week, um, but this week has actually been a great week. This week was actually a good week. Um, I had a really bad week last week and then I started situating things. That was one, Candy's prescription being updated and taking her everywhere with me. I took her to work last week. Um, mm -hmm. uh, two, creating that support circle and everybody being so fucking nice so nice and loving and it's exactly it's exactly what I was hoping for and needing and wanting I send a message and whoever is next available will reply something and mm -hmm. it, it's great it works and then eventually I've noticed that not everybody has to chime in but everybody seems to want to chime in so they all like mm -hmm. will reply with their two cents and it's just kind of nice to have different perspectives and um, there's just this like love and respect and I really appreciate it 10 out of 10 would recommend you get a support circle when you're going through it Oh my God. It is. It's great. Um, and then I started being more honest with myself at the turn of last weekend. I no, over the weekend, I started just like processing things and realizing I'm not being honest with myself. And at the beginning of this week, I came to terms with like things like perfectionism and being honest with the people around me, the people who are very, very close to me. Um, someone who I care very near and dear for, I wasn't being honest about how this was affecting me. And I realized that I was kind of hiding part of myself and hiding the fact that maybe I'm not perfect and feel like I need mm -hmm. to be perfect and opening up about that. And it's been liberating. So this week I have been more motivated. I've been getting stuff done. I did still have some hard things um, going on, but I'm trying to roll with it. Um, it's, Still hasn't hit me that he's gone. And that scares me. Mm -hmm. It scares me for the effects of my depression. That's what it scares me. Mm -hmm. Because it hasn't hit me. I'm not going to sit here and act like I've accepted it. I have it. Because I've been avoiding talking about it. Mm -hmm. And 
it's weird. I don't know. Sometimes when people I'm at, I'm at this stage right now where maybe I'm in denial Mm -hmm. and maybe sometimes it's turning into angry denial because Mm -hmm. sometimes when people like come at me and they're like, Oh, well, grief is hard. And da, 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 da. Like when they're not close to me, like, and when Mm -hmm. I didn't ask, And when I didn't even bring it up, when they bring it up, when I'm just like trying to have a regular conversation with someone and they're like, yeah, I'm like, it, I know they mean well, but for whatever reason, I think I'm starting to enter that angry phase, which I need to figure that out because I find myself feeling annoyed and I'm like, what is going on? And I know that that's natural because I remember when my uncle, my other uncle passed away, Pascual, having those angry outbursts and it's because I'm not dealing with something inside. So I got to do that, but yeah that's kind of been my experience and this is my first time talking about it in a while yeah so first like i wanted to say um well i'm still here guys i know you guys have just been here since mm -hmm, dude my arms hurt so much i'm sorry i've been (laughs) hugging this pretty tight my arms hurt so bad now anybody who's watching saw my pen going crazy this entire time (laughs) i am still here guys but uh yeah first i wanted to thank you for sharing that like the play-by-play because I know that's actually one of the harder parts um, in talking about the passing of like a loved one. Uh, to this day, I don't talk about, so yeah, I'll address my experience with grief really briefly because this will kind of ties into what we're talking about is uh, I lost my grandma um, two years ago, you know, in 2000, two years, three years almost, you know, because it's 20, 2021, I always yeah. forget, but yeah, 2018, October, 2018, I lost my grandma. And I think I've touched upon it uh, before um, back in October, because it had been her two year anniversary. And she was someone that she raised me. So I was very much close to her very much. Um, you know, she was like a mother to me, like it literally, la luz de mis ojos, literally. And so um, it's, it was so hard for me. And to this, it, no, two years seems like a long time. Like, oh, you're moving on. Everything's great. Not to this day. I don't talk about it. I don't talk about it. I don't talk about, oh, it is a hard, it is hard for me to talk about it in the way the play-by-play that Daniela just did. It is very difficult for me. To this day, I don't talk about it. Only close people know. Only, the only time I ever talk about it is when I reminisce with the people who were there. Like my mom, my mom and I were there the entire day and let me tell you that that was something that stuck with me forever and that's probably why it's difficult to talk about is that I saw you see someone progress through the stages of like death and it would it it was forever burned in here and it's super hard to talk about so that that's been my experience with grief and around those around this significant event in my life that you know, was, you know, with dealing with grief, I had other smaller events with important people in my life as well that were not my grandma per se, but were very close family members as well. They were actually my grandma's sisters. You know, I had, you know, my aunts or I don't know, we always call them Thea's, but yeah, I had um, aunts of mine pass away that were, you know, in relation to my grandma and very, and I guess what I felt were the mid, like the last pieces I had of my grandma. Like I had an aunt of mine pass before and that was really difficult before my grandma passed, her, her um, younger sister passed like six months prior. And it was very hard because I was dealing with that grief and that disbelief. And I don't, you know, I don't think I ever really, see the thing is I don't ever think I actually dealt with any of these deaths. And so you say it doesn't, hasn't hit you and everything. I don't think I ever dealt with these to be honest to this day um, because I was very much still processing her death. And then six months later, my grandma died. And that was the biggest thing of my life because 
since I was a kid, I feared the day that she would die. I was raised by an elderly person. I always talk about this. And one of the layers to that is you fear the day they're going to die. The, if the fear came true, it happened. The day I had been so scared of happened and it was difficult. It was so, so, so difficult, especially what we just talked about, like, you know, the play-by-play and being there the whole day and being there the moment. Whew, it was it was probably one of the hardest things I've ever dealt with. And then a year later, um, I had uh, her, you know, her older uh, sister. Another, yeah, no, not her older sister. She was the oldest. Oh, another okay. sister of hers um, passed away as well. And she was the only, the last person who I felt was the miss, like the last piece of my grandma because she had all the memories. She reminded me of my grandma so much. Uh, she would call and my mom and her would just talk about my grandma and reminisce. And it's nice to have someone who can relate to, you know, your pain. And then she passed and that's been really hard too because she was a very big part of my childhood. She was definitely someone who gave me a lot of advice. She was also, she was actually as funny as it sounds because, you know, I suck with my grandma being my uh, maternal figure. Her sister was my grandmotherly figure. She, which is interesting because, you know, it's, but the way, the fact that I didn't see her as often, the fact that she always had some advice to give and, it was just, you know, I, I felt I had this um, this soft spot in my heart for her. And then she passed. And then it's like, ah, oh, here we go again. And it was um, for both of these, um, all three of these actually, funerals, or all three of these um, family members, their funerals and burials were out in El Salvador. I did not travel for the first one, for that, you know, the one that I mentioned that was six months before my grandma died. Um, I didn't travel. And I... To this day, I think I regret that, but I don't know, maybe for some reason I wasn't meant to be there, but I didn't travel for that one, but I traveled for the other two. And it is a lot. I can totally relate to your experience of getting caught up in the hustle and bustle and the process right after someone passes is really difficult because it's a lot of decisions. It's a lot of paperwork. It's a lot of, it's a lot of things. And when, one of the things that I wrote down, you guys saw me write things down, yeah. that I wrote down that you were talking about is that being the strong person, being the pillar of your family, being all these things. And let me tell you guys, this is a we controversial, but that is, I don't know where we get this idea from, because I'd like to know too, but <laughs> probably one of the more toxic things that you can do for yourself in a time. Oh, a hundred percent. I know that damn well. Mm-hmm. But I just felt like nobody else was strong enough to do it. And my dad and, that, should, and the person who is strong enough to do it, my dad, should not. Because as he said, this death hit him harder than, mm-hmm. than my grandma passing. And I, I would agree. This death has hit me harder and it still hasn't even hit me. That's the shit that gets me. This, had mm-hmm. hit, this death has hit me harder and it still hasn't hit me. And I'm afraid for the 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 velorio and the funeral, the, the whole funeral thing. I'm so nervous about how it's gonna hit me that it's difficult. Yeah. It's, so I felt like hard. I have to do it. I don't know. I felt like I had something to prove. I felt like I don't know, maybe as a mixture of of I've already been so sad and depressed all year. Well, bitch, you just said you got that balance in life. Here comes that strength too. And it's do it's hard. Nobody has to be strong. I don't know why nobody, we think we that's the thing. Yeah. It shouldn't be anybody. And, you know, I think that's, that's one of the hardest things. Cause that is actually what I will say. That is what I, I joke about it all the time. Cause you know, humor to deal with like grief and things like this. I joke that this is, that is what ended up unhinging me in the end. 
was that I took upon the entire responsibility of like my grandma's funeral and everything related to this. Not only was, um, when my, as we know, I will, I think I mentioned before, my grandma died of ovarian cancer. Um, I was the person who stayed at home with her and took care of her and fed her and all of these things. I took upon that responsibility, not as severely as my mom did, because my mom, my mom was an only child. So she took upon that entire responsibility, but I took a part of that chunk as well. And then on top of that, then I took up, then I took, uh, I took charge of that entire funeral process, emergency passports, everything, every phone call that needed to be made. I made it every, I was there in the funeral home picking out the casket. Like I was down to every little detail. And because, you know, we feel that we need to be strong or we feel all of these things, right? Regardless of how we process, because I'm somebody who, um, a little more emotional detach emotionally detached. I'm not somebody who feels um, intensely. I do, but it's very hard for me to express. Um, but because I felt that that, oh, you know, I've been gifted with this and I am not crying or sobbing like the rest of my family. So that means I must be the one. And that is what completely unscrewed every screw that's ever held my brain together because that whole um, process of doing that. I was also the person who delivered um, the eulogy at her funeral. I have it. You know, I thought in this on, that on this podcast I was gonna read it, but I was like, nope, we're not there yet. You see, it's <laughs> and that's okay. Later. Yeah, it's two years later, and you see, there's still this barrier. There's still this wall. It's it's. I think that's the thing about grief is that it's almost like re not reoccurring. That sounds dark, but it's like something that it's a long process. But for some reason, we believe that we believe that we should be strong and that we'll push through and that in a matter of months or in a year, we will be all good. But we won't because I'm not, especially after pushing through. I pushed through, guys. I pushed through my grandma's death. I was strong when I needed to be. I, I you know, I delivered that eulogy. I did not... Um, I told myself, okay, you, you can cry, but in the privacy of a room, don't you start crying in front of everybody else. I did. You that. know, what's wild about that too. Cause I was just mm -hmm. thinking that real quick. Um, you can cry, but that doesn't mean that you've processed it or dealt with it at all. Because when mm -hmm. you were saying that I was like, yeah, I've definitely pushed through before. Like, for example, sorry to cut you off. Um, when my grandma and Tio Pascual died, um, four years ago, they died in the same year. That mm -hmm. is the year that I gained like 40 pounds in one year. Um, I found out I was by that summer, came to terms with a lot of, that year was fucking hard. Anywho, although I cried a lot at home, I wasn't dealing with my emotions. And, um, and then I hit rock bottom and became extremely suicidal after my uncle died and I started going to therapy. And I think that part of me wanted to do the strongness of pushing through again with my uncle, but because I found balance and because I've been healing, my body was like, that's not how we do things anymore. These feelings are here and we're going to feel them. Um, so I can resonate with that whole wanting to like push through the hustle and bustle of everything yeah. and crying still doesn't mean that you've like processed it. Like I, I wrote down a question. I don't know if it's too soon to ask, but uh -huh. um, like, okay. Cause like one thing that, that, that I think I had mentioned to you as far as like the grieving part is like, I, I come from a Catholic home. I am not Catholic. Mm -hmm. I officially denounced a Catholicism a week ago, which was hard to my, my mother. Um, uh -huh. 
who is very Catholic and uh, we did, but I do still like respect the traditions of things. I do believe in a higher power mm-hmm. in uh, Mexican culture and Catholic culture. Uh, there's this thing called a novenario, which just means that when someone passes, um, you do uh, nine rosaries. So it's usually mm-hmm. after the funeral, uh, but because of COVID and all that stuff, the priest said that it was okay that we start it earlier. So we did okay. that. I did that too. I know all those, I, you know, I just, you know, I felt that out of tradition, it was right to do. Um, anywho, my mom wanted us to let go on the last day. My mom said on the last day, we have to let him go. I got really angry. I, I didn't mm-hmm. say it to her. Um, and then she didn't end up forcing us to let go. Me and my brothers did not let go, but like her and my dad did this thing where they said like, we let you go. I wasn't ready because I still haven't accepted that he's gone. And I don't want to let go on somebody else's terms. I want to let go on my terms. I mean, I'm not trying to hold him here forever, but, but I'm not ready. Mm-hmm. Have you let go? Uh, I figured that question was coming and I always ask myself, have I, and have I, and I also think, I think I have, cause I definitely have accepted her death. And you know, what's really interesting is that, um, and I think this is uh, because all of these deaths that I had in my family, um, some were sudden, some they were sick for a while. My grandma was sick for a while. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, I think I let go the moment she died. That's the thing because um. I, because when saw, you see I, it coming, it's like you yeah, already prepare that, yourself. And also, well, I, I think is like we talk about how I would well, just think that I meant to touch upon. So you talked about how you felt sad the day before and all these other things. And like, uh, you know, how your body feels it. And every time I, if someone, you know, always asks me that, I again, how you never imagined it was going to pass. Never thought that that day my grandma was going to die. I didn't feel anything. I slept soundly like a baby the night before. I went to work the day before. In fact, I came home annoyed from work the day before. Unfortunately, like, you know, I, every time I, there's this belief in Salvadoran culture that if you uh, dream about your teeth falling out or anything to do with your teeth, right? Um, that it, it's a bad omen. It signals that somebody's going to die. And I used to be fearful of those dreams all the time. I used to be fearful. I used to think, oh my God, I hope I don't dream this thing. And I used to be scared about it. And I, and I sometimes I have the, and now it's funny is that I have those dreams sometimes now. And my mom is like, oh my God, bad omen. And I tell her, I wish, I wish I would have dreamt something to tell me. I didn't, I was completely unprepared for this to happen. And then I think, I think what helped me accept was that I saw her move through the stages of death. And I think that eventually helped me let go by the time we got to death. Um, so I think that's what happened because the moment that she died, I felt well, it's over now. It's over. It's hard because, you know, you have to heal and that's the hard part. But I thought, oh, our story ended here. It's over. And it made me really sad, but. It's okay. Sorry, guys. The The quiet and the pauses are. Um... Don't apologize. You never need to apologize for feeling. As someone wise once told me, son tus ojos. Si quieres llorar, llora. It's okay. I get silent when um, I feel emotional, but yeah, you know, I still get emotional. Two years later, I'll probably still get emotional 10 years later. You know, I think that it's, you know, I said grief is a long process and you let them go, but I don't know if you ever fully let go. 
because like I said for me when I talk about grief it's like I'm there and that's something that I often ask myself because I you know I had to be strong because I felt like I had to you know because my mom fell apart my brother fell apart you know my stepdad is like you know here but he was not I think he was dealing in his own way and so I felt that I needed to take upon that responsibility and you know I did everything and I remember that slowly as the screws came loose in my head I asked myself like because I also felt annoyed but not at people in general upset about everything upset about life I you know go to work and cry in my car pull it together in five minutes and go inside and go to work you know and I got stuck in the hustle and bustle and then I would see people freely feel their emotions like my mom would cry all the time I'd be upset and be angry but I think it was I was angry because I was holding myself to an inhuman standard to not cry about my grandma to not allow myself to grieve my grandma why you know and so I think eventually once the screws came loose and I realized holy shit I'm having a really really hard time and I am not being honest and I am doing nothing to move forward except for push through push through push through it'll get better someday I realized you you are not like what is what are you what are you doing you know like I you're making you're torturing yourself to a degree where not even and nobody else is torturing themselves like this and I know we think well nobody else will do it I have to I have to be strong but the point is you will find a way you'll find a way you'll find a way you don't have to be anything for anyone you don't have to earn your place in your family you don't have to it's really interesting because I often wondered um, why I did that. And I think it was just the same thing that I mentioned about having, um, you know, being more emotionally disconnected and as baby of the family, you know, I'm baby, I'm baby in my family, uh, very much the youngest and the youngest girl. So you think, oh, you are wiped clean of any, uh, of any responsibility. But no, <laughs> Bullshit. Absorbed... Yeah, right. Bullshit <laughs> like, I absorbed... as a Latina. <laughs> Yeah, I absorbed all of like the responsibility um, as, you know, youngest female. I could have easily just cried and done that and everything. And I told myself, no, I'm not going to do that. But it's like, what's wrong with that? What if, what's wrong with just I think sometimes it's also the resistance of being what they expect us to be. Mm -hmm. Um, There's just... I started crying when you were talking about all this. I can't remember what it was that you said that triggered it, but um, it just made me think about this last week. In I've been having a lot of breakthroughs uh-huh. outside of, you know, I think that, that my uncle's death is forcing me to dive deeper <laughs> into my mind, <laughs> continue to dive yeah. into my mind, but this time dive deep into the side of perfectionism and how it mm-hmm. rules everything around me. And um, how it, I don't know how deep I want to go into this just yet. That's fine. I don't know that I'm going to go so deep, but essentially saying like being someone who's perfectionist, someone who is not very mentally stable all the time, that's okay. Um, Mm -hmm. Not neurotypical. I don't process things the way that the rest of my family does. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm sure they're still having a hard time. But my mom went back to work on Monday, that following week. My dad tried to go back to work a few days later and his job was like, no, Jorge, take some time off. My little brother did not stop school. My other brother went to work. Um, I couldn't. 
I sat there in my room that following week after my birthday and pretended to do homework so that they wouldn't yell at me if I wasn't because everybody else bounced back and I couldn't. But I didn't want anyone to know that I couldn't bounce back because sometimes I just get tired of being the sad girl. Sometimes I have this voice in my head. There's this asshole, toxic ass motherfucker I dated um, after I got divorced for a few months. And he saw me go through some shit because he was my rebound. Let's be real. And um, he was like, I think you just like being sad. You like it. You like to be sad. You want to be sad. And I was like, what? You think I like this? You think this is fun for me? First of all, there was a lot of things wrong with him. He was a piece of crap. Of course. He was just trying to, he liked to tear me down to make me lean on him further. Mm. Um, but that voice rings in my head. And so I always feel guilty for being sad. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't being honest with myself wasn't being fully honest with my family and I wasn't being honest with some very 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 special people in my life about how I actually felt and I was pretending that I was being strong and that things were okay and when they'd ask me how I was doing I was like it's okay I'm okay but I wasn't okay I was crying yeah I was I stink because I couldn't shower I was pretending to do homework I was eating my feelings I was, my hair was just, what? I was not okay. I was very much not okay. But I was not being honest because I was afraid to be judged for not being able to bounce back. Sometimes the way society, sometimes it feels like people are like, oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. And then two weeks go by and they're like, so like you need to turn in this, 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 and that. And I need this, 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 this. They just expect you to like yeah. everyone everyone's supposed to have this is your window of grief and by the time this window comes you need to be a full functioning adult and that's just not how it works like i'm going to be so thankful and grateful to one of my teachers who when i sent that email out they were like do not worry about it whenever you're ready to come back even if it's not the week we will figure it out you need to be with your family which you're going through is difficult i had two teachers who were very much like that and one who i will not talk about but okay like most people aren't like that they just expect you to just like so I felt that pressure to just pretend like I was okay like and I'm not and this week is better like I'm productive but like I'm not gonna sit here and be like I'm okay like I'm I've been afraid to go to sleep this week I started having night terrors yeah Um, not necessarily about the death but just things that I had been going through in the last year they're all surfacing my ADHD symptoms are like super high like people just expect you to kind of move on and like you said it's it's a more complex process than even we know and it's you know like people say like there's like I've I've said this before but like now there's like a new little hole in my heart and I have to learn to live with it I think that's a very accurate description because if you have a heart and there are some holes in it whenever you think about that hole it hurts yeah because there's a hole there right there shouldn't be a hole there and you just learn to live with it. But whenever you think about that hole, it, it hurts. Because when you think about like, if you physically had a hole in your heart, that shit would hurt. Shit would yeah. hurt. It's always going to hurt because it's never going to be fully mended. You just kind of learn to deal with that pain. 
But whenever you think about it, because like, you know, my grandmother died, my tita died 10 years ago. And I think about her often. And I think about how she was suffering. And she it was easier to let her go because she was suffering for a long time. So by the time she went, you know, even my my abuelita, my, you know, she came for her chatito, but when she passed, she was sick the, the previous months leading up, not years like my other grandmother, who years yeah. of suffering, but she did have some months leading up. And so had time to process it with my tío Pascual. He, he, he was pretty sudden too, but he was in the hospital in Tuvalo for like a week. So we all had that week to accept he's once we pull that plug, he's gone. This is literally yeah. just for us to say goodbye and to maybe hope that there's a solution, but it doesn't seem like it. Um, or is this one, it, it just, sudden. it was not to diminish any pain from any other grief. It's just different. It's different, yeah. It's not that it hurts. I don't know that I could say, that. I don't know that I could say that it hurts more because there are people in my life who I think will hurt way more that haven't gone yet. But this, I've never had an issue with letting go to be honest. And I cannot. And I know that I should, but I cannot. It's just not time. It's not, it's not time for it. That's another thing too. We talked about grief and the expectation is that it's very, you know, I, nobody told me you need to let go of your grandma. Cause I'll talk about that one. Cause that's the hardest one for me. Yeah. Um, you need to let go of your grandma. You need to let go of her. Nobody ever said that to me or well, nobody ever said in fact my job was more than understanding my mom's job was more than understanding you know like they we took over a month off and I, of course that month was spent traveling because you know we were in El Salvador and we came back and then a lot of things and had to change the day I came back from El Salvador was one of the hardest days ever I remember that because nothing had been touched in here. I all, you know, we share that in common is that we sleep in the rooms where our grandmas died. Um, my grandma died in this room. And for the longest time, things were not touched. I also, I didn't see a thing is on the outside. Yeah, being honest and everything on the outside, it seemed like I was doing okay-ish. Of course, I was not the best and the happiest, you know, I was not over here smiling and laughing, but I was going to work. I was definitely still taking showers. I was still eating, you know, I was doing everything that you would think, Oh, okay. She's just learned. She just learned to deal with it, but not really. What I just did is just keep pushing through and push it off and not really think about it. And we used to, you know, we're not Catholic, but um, every 24th, we used to pray and for her all the time. And during those moments, um, again, still, we were very, we, we have had pictures of her in my room. We'd sit in front of the picture and, you know, do it and nothing. Just sit there and like, and it wasn't that I was numb because I was sad but I was just actively trying to get back into the swing of life and all these things, even though I had all the time. That's the thing I always tell people is that we have all the time we need, not all the time that we want, but all the time we need. Uh, time is lo que sobra sometimes. And I, I always told myself, you got time. And my supervisors told me, you can, you need to talk to somebody. You know, everyone where I work pretty much is like a licensed therapist. And they were like, or has a good degree in psychology. They're like, uh, you can talk to somebody if you need to. And I'd say, no, thanks. Thanks for the offer, but I'm, I'm great. I'd say things like that, you know, or I just keep people on the way. They'd be like, oh, I'm so sorry. How are you doing? I'm all right. I'd say like that. I wouldn't say, oh, you know what? I kind of, I haven't thought about it in 
in months. And so that's the thing that happened to me is that, you know, I realized life was passing me by and I was like, wow, I actually haven't thought about it. And I think that's why, you know, the hole in my heart still hurts too, because a lot of those months that went by, I wasn't actually unpacking or thinking about things. I just, I just had it, accepted it, kept it pushing and never thought about it. Sometimes I struggle to think about it. Sometimes I struggle to obviously to talk about it, but to think about it. Sometimes to feel those feelings that you felt so brave yeah. there because they're yeah. intense. I think that's why I, <laughs> when I, guys, when I tell you guys mm-hmm. that we were supposed to start at 10 and I was still in bed at 10, like yeah. I'm wearing my pajamas. <laughs> this is what my hair looked like. I didn't do squat. I just put gloss on. That's it. Cause my, again, my lips looked crusty. I, but yeah. it's those feelings. They're scary because mm-hmm. they hurt. They hurt. They hurt. And you don't want to feel them. Yeah. And like sometimes that, remembering them, even in the nice ways can hurt mm-hmm. because it's, I want to end on that note. So I will wait on that. But when we get to the end, I want to end on the note of who Chatha was to me okay all of the good memories but they can be hard sometimes because they can because they make you miss that person even more yeah so you don't think about them they have they have a space in your heart but you never look at them the picture lives here i never stopped to look at it i never stopped to remember what she smelled like i'm like oh god no i'm like no no no. i'm like oh i know it's not that i have any resentment or like that but i'm like oh god no god forbid that my brain goes there so I just say, she's in a better place. She's in a better place. She's in a better place. Like, I'll, everything, every time anyone ever brought up her passing, I'd say, she's in a better place. She doesn't suffer anymore. That's yeah. what I'd say. You know what and I think? Maybe that's why I'm having a hard time when people, like, because it's three weeks later and some people are still like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm so sorry. This is not. I think that that's mm-hmm. why I'm having a hard time too. I, I think that the annoyance is serving a mask for the pain that is trying mm-hmm. to surface as they say, hey, I'm so sorry. All we can do is, you know, like I've had people be like, well, all we can do is this, 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 and that. I don't hear anything they say because yeah. I can't. It's not because I don't appreciate it. I, I do. I do appreciate it, but yeah, it's hard. I, and, and I'm a very, as you guys all know, I'm a very emotional person, but see, I could cry in front of y'all because y'all ain't actually here. <laughs> this is a camera and bay. I yeah hate crying in front of people. Do I still cry in front of people? Yeah, because I'm very emotional, but I hate it. So I will usually try to stay away from certain topics or leave places if I feel like they're going there because Mm -hmm. I don't like to get emotional in front of people. And my emotions are very strong. So they will full frontal just come out. So when Mm -hmm. people come at me about my uncle stuff, I almost start, no, not almost. I immediately start disassociating. I don't know anything that you said. There are very particular people who, um, I feel like I could break down with, and it's not even my parents. Yeah. It's, not. it's, it's hard. The very limited few people that I actually, no, actually, oh, I don't know who I could break down with. I'm kind of in this place right now where I haven't been able to break down. Yeah. I haven't really been able to break down. I haven't been able to fall apart. And I'm having a little bit of a breakthrough in my mind right now of something outside of this that's very private. So I'm not going to talk about it, but that's fine. But yeah, I haven't, haven't been able to break down with anybody. And I usually like to have somebody that I can 
fall apart and break down with. And, and I don't choose it because you would think, well, what about Bay? I, I, I can't force myself. Sometimes I can break down with Bay, but sometimes I, I can't. And I don't know what that's, I don't know why. That's just me. That's just me. And you can't force, I don't think you can force it ever, to be honest. And like I said, to this the same way you can't force yourself to accept death and let them go. You cannot force yourself to break down and feel what you don't feel. And that's the thing. Like I mentioned about the other deaths in my family members outside of my grandma, but that were also close to me. I, I don't think I let them go, to be honest. With my grandma, I did. With them, I didn't. And I think because I couldn't even fathom allowing my brain to go there. And that's the thing about, you know, being strong is that it's a double-edged sword. Because if you trust me, I don't know if you guys are, this is a, this is such a bad parallel. I'm so sorry, guys. Uh, but <laughs> I don't know if, if you guys saw this, the, I was talking about this all Halloween, um, is that Goosebumps movie. It's called The Haunted Mask, right? So what ends up happening in the, in the movie is that this girl puts on this mask to be like, scary right she wants to be brave and scary it's funny because you talk about perfectionism being the thing that weighs you down bravery is the thing that i always wanted in my life and that weighs me down to be brave so always force myself to be brave um and she puts on this mask and the mask is stuck she gets stuck inside of it that's what happened to me because i was trying to be strong and bravery and everything it got stuck to the point where sometimes i tell myself are you still wearing the mask like, did you ever take it off? When I told you, when I unscrewed everything inside of my brain, I told myself, take off the mask. It's hurting you. So I did. I did take off the mask. And I was honest with everybody around me. And I told her, but there are moments where I'll look at, I said, said I don't look at her picture. There are moments where someone's like, okay, it's time to look at the picture. You're alone. You got the day off. You can, you, this is the moment, you know? So I'll go and I'll grab her picture and I'll look at it. Nothing, nothing happens. Or I'll think about the memory. I'll pull the memory of the other family members. I'll think, how did how did she smell? How did her voice sound like? I'll even play the video sometimes. If I, I do a video of my grandma and nothing. And that's what I tell myself. I think that's the thing is sometimes the mask fuses to your face and you can't undo it. And that's why I will sit here and warn y'all about the dangers of putting that, up, that responsibility upon yourself. Because let me tell you, nobody in my family told me to do that. No, my mom did not expect that of me. That was not expected of me. I think I did that to myself. And it, I understand it's a natural urge to want to be the person to step up and be that person, but it's so detrimental. And I said, maybe you feel the pressure from society and all these other things. And it is hard, but don't do it because nobody knows what you feel and you can't force yourself to feel better. You can't force yourself to jump back into work or school and if those people don't understand, if those things don't understand, they, you will find a way. You will, I believe, I believe that there's always solutions and I believe that there's always a way. And so no offense, but fuck them. Fuck them. Yeah. If they're not them. willing to understand that you need more time and that you're going through something hard, then you are so much better off without them. You are. Exactly. And if you have been that person, you need to start asking yourself, why are you being so hurtful? And so, also, what do you always say? Te queda el saco. Te queda el saco. If the shoe fits. Yeah. And but, so, I was always, yeah, definitely. Like, if, if you're that kind of person, you need to ask yourself, you know, and wonder why you must treat, why you feel people, the need for them to move on quickly, you know, and it's, it's difficult. And so, I wanted to make a little note because I, I know I, because right now I just heard it not too long ago. You guys might have noticed. I think actually Daniela was talking about something heavy and I think I smiled, but. The reason I smiled is 
earlier when I grabbed my chai, uh, she said, oh, the ASMR of the ice and the train. And I said, I didn't even hear it. That's something that's significant that stuck for me. My grandma, when she first, you know, she lived in this room too. Um, when she first moved here uh, to this, this house, she was like, the train is so loud. I don't, I don't, I don't, um, I can't sleep. And I said, what train? She's like, the train? She's like, it goes by all the time. It's so loud. And I remember I sat there and I thought, train. And I began to hear it after that. And I realized, wow, I had been living my life just in this hustle and bustle, school, work, school, work, everything. I never heard the train. And ever since she said that, I always heard the train. I heard it all the time. And it's funny because after, you know, when she passed, I always heard the train and the train haunted me almost. I used to hear it too much and it used to make me think of her and it was torturous and I'd feel sad. And I always heard it and I used to think, oh, why did she say that? I can't unhear it now. I hear the train and it makes me think of her. And then when she, when Daniela said, oh, the train and I didn't hear it. I was like, I didn't hear the train. I was like, when was the last time I heard the yeah, train? Yeah, it had been going on and, for a while too. And why, yeah. And while you um, were talking about, you know, your revelation, your breakthrough, I heard it and I was like, oh my God. And so now that significance of the train morphed for me. I hear the train when I'm present and it reminds me to be present because for years I didn't hear that train. I didn't hear, I don't know what she was talking about. Maybe that's she, why you didn't hear it earlier because you were I wasn't present. You were anticipating mm -hmm. the the anxious feelings of having to go to the past a little bit. Yeah. And I think that that's something that, see, things in, over time shift significance because for me, it became something that was torturous and hard. And then it was something that, and now it's something that reminds me when I hear the train, I tell myself, oh my God, I feel happy because I'm like, oh, I'm actually here. Because for a long time, I was not here. I was feels, somewhere else. Feels. I was somewhere else. And now when I hear it, I'm like, oh, I'm actually here like uh, and here and open to feeling things. And that's the thing that I, I've, that's what grief taught me is to be honest with the feelings now and try to be here now. And yeah, being honest with that because I was always like, I don't feel good right now, but I'm gonna push through. I'll feel good in two months. In two months, don't feel good still. And so that was- um, Did you yeah. ever have those moments where you would say, and I did this, I've done this a lot. Mm -hmm. I don't have time to break down right now. I will push through this week and then I can break down. But guess what? Something else comes up and then something else comes up and then something else comes up. I used to do that for years until I tried yep. to do that this last year. You remember, listen, y'all, Bay is the realest real whatever. She ain't ever <laughs> getting rid of me. She's never getting rid of me. We're going to get married. It's going to be a whole thing. <laughs> um, but no, uh, for real, um, because during the fall, I tried that a few times. And guess what? You fall apart and you explode. And she was the reciprocator of some of the times that maybe I wasn't so pleasant to be around or when my moods would just shift left and right. And, and just an amazing, understanding, wonderful person. I remember so many times yeah. thinking in my head, she's going to break up with me <laughs> as like my best friend. I'm like, oh my God. Um, but it's patience. And what I want to make a note on that, because I want to talk about people who are maybe not going through grief, but maybe helping someone out through grief, right? That's also a process in its own. And also just in general is also take, um, take care of them, but also take care of you. Um, also be patient and kind with yourself. You are not supposed to be perfect either. You know, like this person is leaning on you. That doesn't mean, um, you got to be seamless and perfect. And uh, that also doesn't suddenly... mean you don't, you can't open up to them about what you're going through. Mm -hmm. We want to yeah. hear about it. Exactly. And that, that, that's, you know, that's, <laughs> yeah, I think exactly, you know, talk to the person, communicate. Um, don't feel, you know, 
try try to have um you know if you need time to step away as well because grief is hard especially if someone if you're not even if you're directly experiencing it it might be hard to see your loved one um or your friend or whoever experience grief so intensely you know my mom experienced grief really intensely as well and it was let me tell you leaving this house uh like just to go anywhere or go, go out with my then boyfriend um it was like an escape because it was hard, although I was dealing too, I was trying to be there for her. And I felt like everything I said needed to be positive and uplifting and needed to be uh, the perfect worded thing. And I told myself, look, yes, not only am I dealing with grief too, but it's like, I don't need to be that. Oh, you yeah. Know, but it's okay. If you're and a central person in someone's support, support circle, make sure you're doing self care because yeah, um, I can, I know. <sighs> I know that I'm not a burden, but I know that that no. feeling exists for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I did see. Okay. I s- saw someone who was not taking care of themselves mm-hmm. and let me lean all the way on them, but they did not take care of themselves. So guess what? They fell down too. It mm-hmm. was not my fault. It was not my no. fault. But for many years, I thought it was my fault. And for many years, that person threw it at me. They said that I was the reason that they were not mentally stable anymore. I was the reason they were sad. I was the reason that they were depressed. And I internalized that. And now because of that, I have a very hard time opening up to loved ones, significant others. I have a very, very hard time because I'm afraid that somebody, to hurt somebody. Mm -hmm. You can't hurt anybody with your pain. You cannot, no. But 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 if you are in a support circle, you need to take care of yourself too. That's so true because mm-hmm. because it, it might bring up things for you that are yeah. hard. Or yeah. also because the tone of voice may not always be the happiest with that person. So like, mm-hmm. for example, this week has been really great, but like, I can't guarantee that it's going to be great for the next few days. Or like, you know, I had a hard moment the other night and it was really emotional. I've been having night terrors. Like Bay's been waking up to me being like, I had a dream about this, 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 and that. And she's like, oh my God. And it's like, you know, you, you don't know what to expect from that person emotion wise, which I mean, you don't really know what to expect from most people, but because grief, you know, that it's going to be kind of hard sometimes. Yeah. So you got to definitely, you got to make sure you have some positivity in your life too. balance, balance, balance. Yes. Balance, balance and communication and maybe your own support circle. Or maybe, like I said, like it, it's, you know, it, it's hard. And I think that that's uh, that's the one thing too, is that I think, see that person you talked about, I think that they also were absorbing some of maybe society's toxicity that uh, someone leans on you. You got to, oh, well, your needs go out the window oh well and then maybe he was resentful I don't understand but point is yes then nobody you can nobody's pain can hurt you and pull you down or do anything like that but it can have some kind of effect on you if you are not careful to take care of yourself or to if you are not communicating if you are not like hey you know what like um no you're dealing with things but I need like a little moment or maybe um, I don't know, like it's a, definitely it's hard to navigate and it's okay if you are someone who is trying to help someone through grief and you feel like you don't know what to do or what to say, or you're having a hard time too, you know, trying to figure it out. That's okay too. You're not a shitty friend. You're not, you're not fucking up, you know? And so uh, just know that it's also valid for you to also need to take care of yourself and for you to practice patience with yourself as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that that was like my, my spiel on... Um, on uh on grief and like helping someone deal with grief and how grief oh yes this is a big one too that grief also moves with you can't have the good without the bad 
sometimes you'll have good days and let me tell you the good days are really nice the bad days hell yeah the bad days suck but the good days there i had i'm not gonna say that the entire time i was miserable i had good days i had things great things that happened to me while i was grieving my grandma's dad i had good things amazing things happen um i had happy days me and my mom laughed sometimes and that was so nice and you know that didn't mean that suddenly i was healed and i was cured or whatever, or that suddenly everything was okay, but it was just a good day, you know, and being able to have the good days with the bad. If you're having good days in your grief period, it's okay, let them happen. Let yourself have them. You're not selfish for smiling, you know, well, the next day after someone passes, you're not selfish. It's, you're allowing a good moment to happen. That's life. Life is good and bad. Life mm -hmm. is not all bad. So yeah, and with that note, I'm gonna do with the that, note, that I always do, yeah. I'm gonna keep my lights on. I do this for, um, I turn my lights on whenever uh, it's like around death anniversaries or significant dates for people who have like passed on. And I always think that the light allows them to either like, you know, come here and like, you kind of like a, like a homing device, you know, like they'll like see my lights from wherever they're from and they'll get the energy of my lights. And so I always turn lights on, whether it's my little string lights here or these right here or whatever lights I have on. So I'm gonna turn my lights on for our, our family members who have passed and like, need the light to either guide them or to center them in here but yeah oh look at you being all sweet mm -hmm. meanwhile my grief process and how i deal with pain turned into comedy i don't know if yeah. you noticed this whole time i've been trying to make sure that my uh mermaids um what the fuck is her name i think it's like denise or something which i was like what the fuck why is your name denise? Yeah, it's denise oh, <laughs> we don't call her why, regular? why is it such a regular uh -huh. no 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 her name is den whatever um anyway <laughs> i i don't know if you noticed um because guys here's the thing i deal with pain through inappropriate comedy in the sense that like i just um i i just crack jokes that people are like that's kind of heavy <laughs> but that's that's how i deal dude i don't know why i just like to laugh anywho i started sometimes making sometimes it'd be like that do you see how she's drinking my chai <laughs> I've been doing that for a while. And then I was like, she was at the mic. I you were trying to reach the chai. Oh. No, I moved the straw so that she could drink the chai. Anywho, yeah. Um, oh, I thought you were trying to reach it. <laughs> on that note, I want around. to end on some positivity. Oh, well, let me put the happy one. I was just kidding. Yes. I was going to put the bad one. one. <laughs> No, 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 happy one. Uh, positive, happy one. <laughs> not a positive note. I want, to, I want to really briefly tell you guys um, some of the funny memories we have with Chato. Um, okay. So Chato is like my height. He's just like an inch taller than me. Uh, if you know anything about Peruvians, you know that they're hella short. Yes, that is why mm -hmm. I'm short. Um, comment below how tall you think I am, because I always wonder how tall people think I am. Um, I did reveal that I'm short, but I didn't tell you how short. He's only like, exactly. yeah, he's like my height, like an inch taller than me. He's a bald headed man. Um, I mean, he's always been bald since I've known him. I know he had hair at one point because he had <laughs> hair, but since I've known him, he's definitely had like the center thing bald. I used to cut his hair actually. I used to cut like, cause he wouldn't want to go full bald and we have some clippers at the house and I would, I would like shave him all the way down bald. Um, yeah, so I used to cut his hair, um, the, the little bit that he had. <laughs> 
<laughs> I used to always want to go across the top, even though there was nothing there. Dude, we used to listen. Chata is a good sport. So in Peru, people, uh, you don't go by your first name, really. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a nickname. And he was a chato, which means like the short one, right? And mm-hmm. I got a bunch. I'm Bruja, Loca, Cindy, Esqueleto, all of that kind of stuff. I got a lot. But um, he's chato. Everybody calls him chato. So I don't even call him Theo Enrique. I've always called him chato. Like, mm-hmm. like Danny, and I'm like Chato, <laughs> like that's what this was. And um, he was like my grandmother's baby. She, he wasn't the baby because he's older than my dad. But like my grandma babied the fuck out of her. She era su chatito, Aww. right? Um, and they, they had a very, very special bond. It was really, really beautiful. Beautiful. Um, it's interesting to me in my life the two people who have had that extreme mother son relationship have passed away my my tita and and mm-hmm. su pascualito mm-hmm. and um you know now uh, my my abuelita Ida passed away four years ago four years later she took her chatito with her mm-hmm. their funeral dates are actually very very close together um and their passing is just a month apart um yeah she came back for her chatito but growing up um, we used to pick fun at him all the time. I remember my brothers used to pretend that his head was a magic crystal ball and we'd be at the <laughs> dinner table and pretend this is Chato's head. I can mm-hmm. see into the future. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and he would just sit there and laugh. He thought it was so funny. He was never mean, never strict. It was very rare that you saw him upset, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, I don't think I ever really saw, I think I've seen him like, maybe like I can count it on one hand, maybe twice. But mm-hmm. he'd, be, he'd be like, I can see to the future, and you know, and so we would do that. Yeah, we would do that. He was also, um, he, like I said in the beginning, he he mm-hmm. used to put too much of things. So like mm-hmm. his coffee had way too much sugar. So like, is this coffee? And he would just be pouring. He's like ten scoops, and we'd be we'd be like, Chato, ¿a ti te gusta el azúcar con café? So we'd be like, you like you like sugar with coffee, not coffee with sugar. And so he'd always have hella. And we'd be like, dude, you gotta tone it the fuck down, right? And then um, with his food he always put way too much chile well not chile because mm-hmm. in Peru is ají he put way too much ají and we would always be like you can't even handle it and so he would always put too much and because the man was bald his bald head would start sweating profusely so he was dripping sweat his eyes would be watering he turned he was very very um very very uh moreno like very very dark uh-huh. skinned I'm like still like in my tone, you know, mm-hmm. of like an indigenous tone, but like a lot darker than me. Um, uh-huh. And um, which we'll call it. Yeah, no, he would just be like sweating and he would still get red. Like his cheeks would get so oh red right here God. and he'd be all sniffly and he'd be eating. And it was so funny. And we'll be like, we'd be like, Chato Pica. Like, you're like, Chato, is it <laughs> and he'd be like, no. And he'd be like, achucha, achucha, which like in Peru, like chucha is just like, ah, shit, right? Like you'd just be like, achucha, all the time. <laughs> um, and then we'd be like, we'd be like, chato, pica. And he'd be like, chito, you know, like my grandma, that's my grandma's phrase. She, like I tattooed it on my arm. And so um, me and my brother, you know, his, his son also has tattoos. And when me and my brother got our tattoo, this is the tattoo we have. We have matching tattoos. He has it on this side. Mm-hmm. He also has the date. This is in remembrance of my grandma passing away. Mm-hmm. Um, like we got it because we were like, well, Chato's kid Axel already has a tattoo, so we're good. Let's go get one. Um, <laughs> but but we already. I, I was telling my brother when he passed. I was like, well, and Chato. I remember when when this was finally revealed, um, in the sense that when my dad finally noticed it, even mm-hmm. though I wasn't living at home, I didn't live at mm-hmm. home, but my brother lived at home, and my dad didn't notice. He noticed mine. I remember Chato was the one to defend and be like, that's actually really sweet. 
Like, I think that she would have really liked that as my dad was not having it. He was not happy about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but Chato thought it was really, really sweet. Um, mm-hmm. So I told Gianluca, I was like, well, at least Chato knows at least three people are going to get tattoos for him. And he was like, because, <laughs> you know, we know that that um, that Axel is going to get a tattoo. And me and Gianluca mm-hmm. already had this understanding, like, we're going to get a tattoo. And I was like, are we going to do matching again or what are you doing? And Gianluca is going to get, so Chato also, he can't hang. He can't hang. So he would like always like drink with us or whatever, but he would like fall asleep. He fell asleep at the couch, at the dinner table so many times. We'd all be talking and he'd be like, oh, I'd be like, hey, Chato, Chato, somebody wake up Chato, go send him to his room. <laughs> like somebody go wake up Chato. Cause he, so Gianluca is going to get a sleepy bald man um, with a shirt that says Chato. And I said, what I'm going to get is I, I'm going to get it on this arm. I'm not sure where just yet, maybe like somewhere over here, but I'm going to get a hot sauce, um, bottle of Rocoto, uh, and it's going to say Chato sauce. And so that's what I'm going to get for Chato. Um, and the last thing is Chato, um, really taught me how to be how to be a person who gives without expecting anything in return. He really, really reinforced that. He was like the um, fixer-upper person in our home. Whenever something was wrong, he helped it. He was also the person, (laughs) he was the person to teach me how to break, break into to windows because I locked myself I locked myself in this room actually why does this room so significant I was destined to live in this room I locked me and my brother in this room once on accident the lock stopped working and he taught me how to take apart my window um and he used to always change our oils for us so like mm-hmm. if we had car problems we didn't even we didn't, we've had some carcanchas because like we didn't we didn't have need for anybody because he would fix it and so mm-hmm. we um he would fix our cars and he always helped me change my oil and we always wanted to give him money. Sometimes he would accept it, but most of the time, most of the time he would be like, no, like, no, mm-hmm. like, but I just la familia. That's what family's for. Right. And, and I remember, um, he was constantly me. I'm an, I'm, I'm always trying to be this and I am an independent woman, but I'm always like trying to be this ultimate independent woman. Like I don't mm-hmm. rely on nobody. I could do everything by myself. I've always been that kind of person. My dad's always been pretty proud of that. And, and Chato has always been very, very proud of that. So whenever I wanted to learn something, he would like teach me. And I was like, I want to learn how to change my oil. I don't just want you to do it. I want to be able to do it myself, but mm-hmm. ADHD, I can't ever remember. I always forgot. I even wrote notes and I lost those notes. We did it like maybe four or five times and I just could not remember. And it was pretty funny. And Mm -hmm. the last time we changed my oil before, I don't have a car anymore, but before I got my, not have my car, he said, Mm -hmm. next time, he said, next time, Danny, you're going to do it. And I'm going to watch. I think you got it now. Um, there is no next time. That's one thing that makes me a little sad. There is no next time. But now I'm going to learn on my own all of these things. And I know that he's going to guide me through it. And I felt his energy in this house. It's been a while since I felt it, to be honest. But that first week he was here. He was, he was here. I saw him sitting at the table. I heard him. I felt him all around. Um, and yeah, so we're going to miss him dearly. His his um, absence is 100% felt. He was such a central person in our lives, mm-hmm. um, in our family. He was he was an extension, like you know, and um, we're gonna miss him dearly. And there are definitely some changes in this home, 
And we're going to have to deal with those and face those. And we're going to get through it because we're going to do it together. One thing I do like is that we've all kind of softened to each other. I think this time my family is handling my mental health problems a little bit better, a little Uh bit better, because I did tell them that I got my prescription updated for candy. I didn't directly say I'm depressed again. Um, I mean, I kind of have, but um, I to not worry anyone because I know some people have been worried. I'm not feeling suicidal. I don't think that that darkness could take me again. When I tell you the way that I worked through that in the winter really was really quite healing. I don't think that that darkness could take me if it tried to. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I am sad, obviously with mm-hmm. all given reason, but it's going to be okay. And with that, there is an update. I'm not sure how temporary it's going to be, but for now, Um, podcasts will only be releasing twice a month. Yeah. So this is going to be the first one. It'll be every, um, since this one's going to be the first of the month and we're going to do it every other week, it seems like we're going to do the first and the third Uh Thursday of the month. That's when you're going to get our podcast. You guys know we do a little bit more of a long form anyway. So it'd be a nice Mm -hmm. way for y'all to catch up and all that good stuff. Um, we're still going to be posting on, um, on the WAF Instagram, um, I want to thank you, babe, for being so understanding and patient with all this. I know that you understand, but still like, I really appreciate being able to step away. I, um, and have that break. And, and I know that if I need to again, that I can have that break. And, um, and I want to thank you guys for all the love that I've received and the support and for the birthday wishes as well. Thank you. We'll talk about that on, a, I still do want to do that podcast. That was a fun idea that I had had. So we'll, we'll probably do that mm-hmm. at some point, but, um, yeah, I think, I think that's kind of it for me. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you guys for tuning in to Chai's and Cheese Me. And you can't, what is it? I had it figured out last one, but this one I'm too scatterbrained for it. Uh, you came for the chai, but stay for the cheese, man. All right, there we go. Uh, chais are completely empty, as you can see, completely empty. And thank you guys. So definitely keep up with us on our YouTube, Anchor, wherever else that you get this podcast. And that you heard it here from Daniela. We will be, um, you know, the frequency will change a bit, but exciting things, you know, exciting things will always be in store. So, yeah. All right, guys. Yes. Make sure you like, share, subscribe. Sorry. I'm being great. Like, it feels so weird to be this, this, make sure you like, share and subscribe, um, subscribe so that you get notifications on our podcast, follow our Instagrams. Again, the GoFundMe will be linked down below. Really, really appreciate any donation. Really, honestly, no donation is too small. No donation is too small. Everything counts. We really, really, really appreciate it. Um, and with that, I hope that you guys have a wonderful day, a wonderful weekend. Um, ciao. Hello. Bye. Bye.